The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Sarah, and I am... (laughs) Yay! Thank you, little sand club! Um... (laughs) That makes me feel very good. Um, But I'm Pastor Josh's wife, and I'm honored to be sharing with you this morning um, in our our Fixing Our Eyes series. I'm wrapping this series up, and this morning we're going to be talking about time. If you're taking notes, the name of this message is Fixing Our Eyes on Time. And if you want a subtitle, it is More Saving, More Doing. More Saving, More Doing. Okay, uh, about four years ago, Josh and I uh, were on staff, or Josh was on staff at Gateway Church, and uh, it was four years ago, right around this time. Every January, Gateway has a conference called First, and the idea behind this conference is that the whole church gathers together for the first days of the year, and they're seeking God together as a way to say, Lord, we're putting you first this year. And uh, it's great. They bring in guest speakers, and I'm always excited about this conference, but also as a staff wife, always kind of like, oh, I know this is going to mean I'm not going to see Josh at all this week. And uh, I love Josh. He's my best friend. And so when he's at work all day, and then he has to be home for like five minutes and then leave to go to the conference for the night, I, I don't really know what to do with myself. I'm bored. We hang out all the time. I, if he's not home, I don't know what to do after the kids go to bed. So uh, I, I always kind of like, yay, first conference, but oh, that means I don't get to see Josh for the week. And this, this year specifically, I really wanted him home because our oldest Gus was five, and then our middle bow was two, and Sonny, our youngest, was only three weeks old. So I had my hands full, and I wanted him home for bedtime and bath time and helping me with all the newborn diaper changes and things like that. But of course, work calls, duty calls. So he goes to the conference, and I, I kind of thought maybe I should go, but it's a 45-minute drive. It's way past the kid's bedtime. It's all in the evening. So I decided to stay home and, um, and take care of the kids, got them all to bed, feeling really proud of myself, rewarded myself with some dark chocolate and decided, uh, since I didn't know what else to do, I'm going to just stream the messages. And I'm so glad that I did. They were streaming live because the message that I heard changed my life forever. So I opened up my computer and just in time to hear Bill Hybels kick off his message. Now, I don't know if you know Bill Hybels, but he pastors Willow Creek in uh, Illinois, and it's one of the most attended churches in America. He's an amazing leader of leaders, writes books. And as silly as this is um, for me to think, I kind of remember being like, oh, I don't really want to hear a message on leadership, but because Josh wasn't home and I don't know what to do when he's not home, I was like, I might as well just listen. I don't have anything else to do. So I sat down, listened, get out my notebook, And like I said, I'm glad I did because this message changed my life forever. It changed our kid's life, changed our marriage, changed our future. And his message that night wasn't on leadership, but it was about the power of our calendars. Now, I know you're thinking, come on, Sarah, it's eight days. Christmas is eight sleeps away. I'm expecting a message on Mary and Joseph. And I get it because I had a message on Mary that I've been carrying around for like three months now that I couldn't wait to preach this week. But as I sat down to to kind of start putting it together, I felt like the Lord said, not the Mary message. I want you to share the calendar message. So I put that message on the shelf. And today we're going to talk about the power of calendars because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you about today. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down two questions as we start. Two questions at the top of your, your notes there. What would my schedule look like 
if God were in charge of it? And then the second question, is my current schedule working for me? Now, uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 15 through 17, but before we do, I want to give you a little bit of context. Paul is writing in the scriptures we're about to read, and before we read what we're about to read, he is uh, letting the people, the church of Ephesus, know two very important things. He's letting them know that they are called to imitate Christ and that they are called to be a people of light, and the same is true for you and I today. We're called to imitate Christ, and we are called to be a people of light, a people that bring light into the dark situations that the world is surrounded with. So look at this, verses 15 through 17. He tells them that stuff, and then he tells them this. And we're actually going to read it in three different translations. Casey came to me this morning. He was like, you know you put that scripture in three times in a row in the slides? I was like, yeah, it was intentional. And here's why. Because I couldn't pick which one I liked best, and because I think that there's some versions that may speak really well to you, and then some versions that may speak really well to somebody on this side of the room. So really lock in. I want you to read this with me. Look at the screen. Don't check out when we're reading scriptures. Really look, look at this like you're seeing it for the first time, okay? Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Paul says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Everybody say redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then here it is in the Amplified. Therefore, see that you walk carefully, living life with honor, purpose, and courage. Those are three really great goals. Live with honor, purpose, and courage. Shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not as the unwise, but as wise, sensible, intelligent, intelligent, discerning people. Here it is. Making the most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence because the days are filled with evil. And then here it is in the voice. So be careful how you, how you live. Be mindful of your steps. Don't run around like idiots. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot. As the rest of the world does. Instead, walk as the wise. Make the most of every living and breathing moment because these are evil times. So understand and be confident in God's will and don't live thoughtlessly. So Paul is saying, you're called to imitate Christ and you're called to be a people of light. And listen, we may be the only light that walks into some people's darkness. We may be the only light that lights up someone's path so that they can find Jesus, so that they can find salvation. The days that we live in are evil. They were evil then and they're evil now. And so it's important that we redeem our time so that we can do what God's called us to do, so we can imitate him and so we can be people of light. Write this definition down. To redeem the time means to rescue or recover our time from waste, to improve it for great and important purposes. That reminds me when I read that definition of the American Pickers. Anybody ever seen American Pickers? Josh used to watch that show every once in a while when we had cable. And it's these two guys, they go around the country and they ransack garages, sheds, uh, full of like just 
crazy junk, items that are wasting away, rotting away, but they're able to see an item, see that that item has value. They rescue that item from waste. They take it, they restore it, they recover it, they redeem it for great and important purposes. Or it's like Chip and Joanna Gaines. They find the worst house in the best neighborhood, right? They rescue it from popcorn ceilings and segregated floor plans. They redeem it and they they turn it into something for great and important purposes. They, They learned how to buy up opportunity and they've turned it into this million, billion, however much money they have uh, franchise. Or, or it's like the guy who purchased Amazon shares back in September of 1997, right? An initial $11,000 investment because shares then were only $3.19 a share. That $11,000 investment is now worth $2.4 million. He saw something. He saw value in something. He bought it up. And now if he wanted to, he could redeem it for $2.4 million. That's what Paul is saying. That's what we're supposed to do with our time. We're supposed to see it, see, see the value of it, see that it's not just junk. It can, we can't just let it go to waste. We got to redeem it, rescue it, and improve it for great and important purposes. How we spend our time is a big deal. Paul says, don't live thoughtlessly. We have to put thought into what we're doing, how we're spending our time. Josh talked last week about how the people uh, in the days that Jesus were born, how they had grown so apathetic and waiting for this king to come that they didn't even realize that he had come. They didn't realize he had showed up. They, they'd been waiting and waiting 400 years of waiting and they just grew apathetic and, and they didn't know that he had been born and he was a town over. He was a year and a half old at this point. And I think the same can be true for us. We can grow apathetic as we wait for the king to return. He's coming back, church. I'm not an end times expert, and I won't pretend to be. In fact, at one of our very first interest meetings, uh, somebody came up to me and asked what I thought about doing an eschatology small group. And I, honest to goodness, thought they were talking about skincare. Uh, so I'm not an end times expert, but I do know that my Bible says Jesus is coming back. And because he's coming back, we have to get serious and we have to be mindful about how we're spending our time. Amen. Amen. So, uh, I don't know if you remember, but, but last summer I preached a message on the parable of the soils and I talked about Nike's slogan, just do it. Well, apparently the Lord likes to speak to me through company slogans because I was putting this together. Uh, he, he dropped Home Depot's slogan into my heart. Uh, Josh and Gus watch a lot of football and I guess they know their audience, Home Depot, because they do a lot of commercials during football games. And at the end of all those commercials, there's four words, more saving, more doing. And today, and from this day forward, I hope that every time you pass a Home Depot or you see one of their commercials, that you will think about how that slogan not only applies to our money and how uh, many home improvement projects we can get done around our house, but it also applies to our time, more saving, more doing. Uh, I, I don't know, especially this time of year, uh, I find myself thinking, I wish I had more time. I wish I could make more time with all the things that we have to get done, the presents that need to be wrapped, the presents that still need to be bought, the parties that we have to attend, the traditions that we have to make sure that we do because we did it last year and it's a tradition, so we got to make time for it. We want more time. We wish for more time. We wish, we, you, you might even have people say to you, um, could you make time for me? Can you make time for me this week? Or you may say to yourself, I need to make time for that person. But if you think about it, that is not possible. We cannot make time and we'll never get more time. Uh, 
we get 24 hours a day, 1,444 minutes, 86,400 seconds, and there's nothing we can do to change that. That's just the way the world is set up. Uh, but we can change how we choose our time, or we can choose how we use that time. We get to decide how we're going to use those 86,400 seconds. We can't make more time like we can make more money. Money is a renewable resource, but time is not. I came across this article this week. It was in the Huffington Post in 2016, and it's about the United Nations Sustainable Developmental Goals. Now, if you're like me before I read this article and you have no idea what I just said, um, let me kind of break this down for you. This is a set of 17 goals, and they are, in effect, the world's top priority. Not, not America, not our nation, but the world's top priorities for ensuring the enhancement and sustainability of civilized human life and society as we know it. So in other words, this is a list of 17 goals that the United Nations has come up with. And they're saying, if we can knock out these goals, then the world will not fold. The world will continue to, to be a place where we can live. Uh, our society will be enhanced and civilized human life can continue as we know it. It's a really, list, a really lofty list of goals. It includes things like end poverty, end hunger, quality education, and lifelong learning for all, gender equality, all great things. Sadly, uh, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is not on that list. So these goals don't stand that great of a chance, but that's not the point. Here's the point. I thought it was interesting. This guy says, these are real concrete societal goals that prioritize the use of our most valuable resource. What do you think it is? Time. They prioritize the use of our time. He says, we'll often negotiate and fight over food, oil, land, and water, but we treat time like it will last forever. But what if we treated time like it was a resource, meaning that it, uh, we, we treat it effectively and efficiently? He says, the next time someone asks you what your most precious resource is, tell them it is time. And the more we waste it, the greater the risk that we will run out of it before we do what needs to be done. So he's kind of saying what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, the days are evil. The world's going to fold unless we learn to redeem our time. And of course, he's going after some goals that he should be prioritizing some other things first. But the point is, time is a non-renewable resource, your most precious non-renewable resource. So we need to start looking at it that way. More saving, more doing. What's the opposite of saving? It's wasting or spending. I'd say it's wasting. If you're not saving something, then you're wasting it. What if we started or stopped wasting our time wishing for more time? What if we stopped wasting our time binging Netflix? What if we stopped wasting our time scrolling Instagram for hours or trying to pick out the perfect gift to respond with? What if we stopped wasting our time arguing over things that don't matter, talking about things that we can't change? What if we stopped wasting our time and we started to save our time? More saving, more doing. More doing what? What are we called to do? More, what, if, if our time is so important, if the days are so evil, if we need to really steward our time, what for? What is it that we're supposed to be doing? I think doing is kind of a word that's getting a bad rap right now. The, the more popular message in, in uh, the Christian faith is no more striving. Girl, you don't have to strive. We don't have to strive anymore because uh, we can't work our way to heaven, which is true. We can't work our way to heaven. We can't do our way to heaven. Uh, the only way that we are saved is by grace through faith. That's the only way. 
But here's the thing. Once we are saved by grace through faith, there's doing to be done. Amen. Look at this with me in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Now, let me stop there. We are God's masterpiece. You got to get this first and foremost, because if you don't truly believe in your heart of hearts that you are God's masterpiece, if you don't believe that you're valuable to God, if you don't believe what another translation says, that you are his accomplishment, then you don't believe that you're valuable. And if you don't believe that you're valuable, then you don't believe that your time is valuable and you'll have no problem wasting your time. So first of all, we have to get this. We are his masterpiece. Write this down. I am valuable to God, therefore my time is valuable. Listen to me, New Song Church, your time is valuable. And here's why. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He created us anew so we can do. It rhymes. I love it. It rhymes. That makes it truer, right? He created us anew so we can do. Now notice it's not the other way around. We do so we can be made new. We already talked about that. We don't do so that we can become new creations in Christ. No, he makes us a new creation in Christ. And really the only way that we can actually do good things is is because he's made us new. We can't do it if we're not made new. So he's created us anew so that we can do. Now look at this with me in Ephesians 2.10. Or we did look at Ephesians 2.10, but I want you to look at it with me in, pa- in the Passion Version. We've become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny that he's given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. There's so much there. It's that we're recreated people. He created us anew, and now we're called to fulfill the destiny, the God-given destiny that he has planned for us. And in that destiny, our good works. In Psalm 139, it says, like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Now, Josh and I love to watch movies, and we love Pixar, and we love Disney animation, and we love to watch the, uh, the like, special features on the DVDs. And in those special features, there's always something about how they storyboard at Pixar. And to come up with these amazing movies that we sit back and watch, uh, it all starts in this room where they are storyboarding, sketching out these uh, little ideas and placing them together, putting together this amazing story piece by piece, drawing by drawing, making sure that it all flows together. This is what God did with your life. He got out the pages of this book, And he started to place it all together before you were even conceived. He planned out every stage. He planned out every season. And throughout the whole thing, he sprinkled in these assignments, these God-given things, these good works for you to do. Not because he couldn't do it without you, because he's God and he could. He doesn't need us. But he put this in our storyboard. He put these God-given assignments in our storyboard because he knows that we're the most like him when we're living, giving, serving, doing the good things that he's created us to do. And he wanted you to have purpose. He wanted you to be able to take joy in this partnership. It's a partnership with him. Now, let me ask you this. While Jesus walked the earth, did he do good things? Yes, he did. Look at this, Acts 10.38, it says, then Jesus went around doing good, 
He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed. Now, Romans 8, 29. I know I'm th- throwing a lot of scripture at you. I'm just, I'm just wanting you to see how valuable your time is. We're getting ready to get really practical. But look at this in Romans 8, 29. It says, from the distant past, his eternal love reached into the future. You see, he knew those who would be his one day. He knew that you would be his. He knew that you would make him Lord of your life. And he chose them beforehand to be conformed to the image of his son. So that Jesus would be the firstborn of a new family of believers, all brothers and sisters. As for those he chose beforehand, he called them to a different destiny. So they would experience what it means to be made right with God and share in his glory. I teach this in next steps. It's our destiny. When people say like, what's your destiny? What's your purpose? It's our destiny to be conformed into the image of God. Of Jesus and Jesus went around doing good. You know what else Jesus did? He accomplished every single thing, every single thing. He did not leave any stones unturned. He accomplished all that he was sent to the earth to do. So if it's our destiny to be conformed into his image, that means that we are going to go around doing good and we're going to do everything that he put us on earth to do if we learn to redeem our time. Amen. Amen. Um, And I also love this about Jesus. Uh, He was the firstborn of many. So that means that he's the firstborn in the family of, of, uh, and the church family, right? We're his brothers and sisters. My kids were laughing this week as I told them, hey, you know, Bo, I'm not just your mom, but I'm your sister. And dad's not just my husband. He's my brother. They were kind of weirded out by that. I was like, no, no, no. Like he's my brother in Christ. But the first, the firstborn was Jesus. Now, if you have kids, you know that the firstborn, he sets some patterns into place that the other siblings that are going to come after, they're going to follow in those patterns. Like Gus, for instance, our firstborn, when he was little, he called Josh Dida instead of daddy. And so it just stuck and we called him Dida. So when I referred to Josh, to Gus, I called him Dida. And uh, so then when Bo call, came, came along, guess what she called Josh? She called him Dida. And when Sunny came, you know what she called him? She called him Dida. The firstborn established a pattern. Listen to me. Jesus is the firstborn in our family. And he went around establishing patterns for us to conform to. We are, be, we are called to be conformed into his image. That is so exciting. So the reason Paul tells us more saving and more doing is what, are, what, are, what does the doing look like? It's more looking like Jesus more living like Jesus, more fulfilling the plans and purposes that he in his infinite wisdom mapped out for us before we took our first breaths. Our time is valuable because we are valuable and has created us anew so that we get to do. Not so that we have to do. It's not this laborious, intense, this burden. We have to do the things that God's planned out for us to do. It's we get to do it. It's exciting. We get to share in his glory That's exciting. I want you to see it as not a have to, but a get to. Okay, so now we're going to get practical. You ready? Uh, We're going to, I'm going to show you some of the things that that Bill Hybels taught me through that message that night, but also some things that the Holy Spirit has showed me the last four years as I've put into practice the things that that I learned uh, from that message. And we're going to be talking about calendar. We are going to get very practical, but I also want you to know this, that the thoughtful arrangement of your daily and weekly calendar is one of the holiest endeavors that you can put your hand to. He says drafting a new weekly and monthly schedule is equivalent to writing a whole new script 
to the next season of your life. Your calendar plays a critical role in who you will become in 2018. Write this down. My calendar is not just about what I have to get done, but about who I want to become. Now, I want you to think about your calendar. You may even have your calendar in your phone so you could take a peek out of it. And I or take a peek at it. And I want you to think about the things that you have written in your calendar. Probably things like office Christmas party, a dental checkup. If you're David Terry, you've got some lunch meetings at Torchy's written in your calendar, right? <laughs> Santa pictures, uh, school functions, soccer practice, take back library books, Susie's birthday party. This is how we put our calendars together, right? Uh, we start a new month and then we plug in all the stuff that we have to do, all the stuff that if we weren't to do, it would get us in trouble. We know that the first, we need to pay our house payment, that April 15th, our taxes are due, that Monday is trash day. We, we kind of get that. As adults, we realize it's important to know what day of the week it is and what responsibilities we need to take care of on this day. But for a lot of people, it ends there. But where that becomes dangerous is that your calendar has a lot of power over you. For instance, if your calendar says dental checkup tomorrow at 2 p.m., guess where you're going to be tomorrow at 2 p.m.? You're going to be at the dentist office getting your teeth cleaned, hopefully, and not getting cavity filled. But your calendar has a lot of power over you. What you write in it, you do. So that's why we have to, to learn that it's not just about all the things that we have to do, but what if we started to calendar who we want to become? Bill Hybels, when he, he taught this message, he opened it up with the story of how this all changed for him. And he was in the early days of his church plant, and he was headed out the door to yet another church meeting when his daughter, who was three at the time, now she's grown and she has kids of her own, but she was three years old and he's getting ready to leave. And she comes up to him and she says nine words that changed his life forever. She said, daddy, are you going to be gone again tonight? And he didn't, she didn't say it spitefully or she wasn't even angry. It was just an honest three-year-old question. Daddy, are you going to be gone again tonight? And he said he got in his car to head to the meeting and he asked himself, why am I going to be gone again tonight? I was gone last night and I'm going to be gone again tomorrow night. Like, why am I going to be gone again tonight? And it hit him that the reason he was going to be gone again tonight is because he had scheduled church meeting into his calendar. And because his calendar said it, he did it. And he began to realize that maybe, just maybe, he should start scheduling things on his calendar that weren't only work-related. So the next morning, he got up, he went to a coffee shop, he sat down with a blank piece of paper, and he asked the Holy Spirit this question, what investment of time will it take for me to be a great dad to my daughter? He had grown up with an absent father he was a good provider, but he was absent. He was gone all the time. He wasn't home for family dinners. He wasn't at any of his sporting events. And he didn't want that for his daughter. He knew that she deserved a great father and that he could become one. So he asked, what investment of time will it take for me to become a great father? And he said, the Holy Spirit answered him very quickly, four nights a week. He said, Bill, if you'll be home four nights a week with your daughter, fully engaged, disconnected from work, then you can become the great father that you want to become. So he did something that he'd never done before. He plugged in the word home into his weekly calendar four times a week. And that changed the, tra the trajectory of his daughter's life, of his grandchildren, of his son that was to be born. And, and he decided in that moment, you know what? I don't care 
what anyone else thinks about the way that I spend my time. I don't care what my board thinks. I don't care what my church thinks. The only, the only one that I care about how I spend my time is my family. And so we begin to see that the, the arrangement of words and time slots on a calendar has the power to affect his destiny, his family's destiny, and it had the, the power to help him become become who God wanted him to become. I remember hearing this story that night as I sat at my laptop as my three little kids were asleep upstairs and it was like the clouds opened up and I realized how valuable my time was and I realized that uh, I was not going to just naturally blossom into the mom, the wife, the leader, the writer, the speaker, the pastor, whatever. I wasn't just going to blossom into the things that God had called me to become but I was going to have to learn to redeem my time, to rescue and recover it from waste and improve it for great and important purposes. So Josh gets home and he didn't hear the message that night because he was working in kids ministry and I just preached the whole thing to him. And like, this is so exciting. We got to do this. And he was totally on board. And so the next day we went and bought calendars and we began to work this system. Uh, And I'm going to give you the four things that we did, that we still do, that we learned from this message, and we hope that you guys will put some of these into practice as we head into 2018. Okay, so these are four things we can do to redeem our time and do more of what God has planned for you to do. The first one is envision. Envision. Who do you want to become in 2018? Bill wanted to become a great dad. Who do you want to become in 2018? Uh, You know, I think some of us are going into 2018 without any vision. We're just going to do what we did last year, just kind of repeat the same year. But I want you to know, I want you to hear me today. I want each of you to get this. You are a visionary. You're a visionary, whether you believe it or not. I think sometimes we think that that title, visionary, is reserved for a select few. Like Steve Jobs, he was a visionary. Walt Disney, visionary. Nelson Mandela, Brian Houston, visionary. Me, just a plain old person. But that's not true because you have the same DNA in you as Jesus. And he was a visionary. He changed the world. He turned the world upside down. He changed the way people see leading, loving, serving, giving. He was a visionary. He was there when the world was created. He helped God envision the giraffe with its really long eyelashes and its black tongue and its really long neck. He envisioned the waves uh, of the ocean and the jellyfish and the coral. He envisioned you. And because we're destined to be conformed into his image and his spirit lives in us, that means that when we die, that word visionary can come up in our eulogy. They can say she was a visionary when it came to her home, when it came to her children. He was a visionary when it came to being a Christian leader in this community. You are a visionary. So you need to take some time to to activate that gene that you have in you. You need to sit down and you need to ask the Holy Spirit, who do you want me to become in 2018? A couple years ago, Josh and I were uh, on our way to a conference. We had plugged that into our calendar because we wanted to become better pastors and leaders. And so we were actually going to an art conference. And we get to the airport and our flight had been canceled. And so we had to decide... Are we just going to go home, which 
that meant the babysitters that were supposed to watch our kids for three days were going to go home. And we were like, you know what? We got a babysitter for three days. We're going to this conference. And so we decided to rent a car and we drove it. It was a 10 hour drive. And a, a couple hours into the trip, Josh realized that the cruise control didn't work. And so, you know, 10 hours, a 10 hour road trip, cruise control is a nice feature to have. It's great to be able to just pick your lane, pick your speed, set the cruise control and just kind of cruise to your destination. On a road trip, cruise control is a really, really good thing. But in life, not so much. As a visionary, you're going to have to learn to to, to be okay with not having cruise control. We don't want to just pick a lane, set a speed, and just go until we die, right? We want to think differently. If you want 2018 to be different than 2017, you're going to have to do something different than what you did in 2018. So we've got to envision. Number two, we need to invest. If you truly believe that your time is valuable and that if you use it wisely, you can do all that God has put you on the earth to do, then you will invest in some type of calendar or planner system. When we heard this message, the next day I ordered two big dry erase board calendars and we put them up in our dining room so that we could write the vision and make it plain and run with it. We wanted our calendar to reflect not only what we had to do, but about who we wanted to become. And we wanted to be able to see it. Every time we walked into the kitchen, every time we sat down at dinner, we could see those things that we were plugging in to our calendar to see that, to help us become who we wanted to become. So I want to encourage you, invest in something. I think a lot of times these days we just plug stuff into our phone and our calendars, but it's kind of hidden away. You have to pull it up to see it. Uh, Use your phone, that's fine, but also find something. There's something about writing it down. Write it down on a big dry erase board. Have a planner that you carry with you. We've got our dry erase board, but I also have a planner that has my months, and then it has a week, and then every week it has a day down to the hour, so I can write in those things that that I have to get done, but also those things that help me become who I want to become. So invest in some type of planning, planning system. Number three is invite. You need to take your new calendar, you need to take a blank sheet of paper, and you need to invite the Holy Spirit into putting your schedule together. You need to invite him, ask him to help you. Just like Bill, what investment of time do I need to make to become a great father? You need to ask the Holy Spirit, what investment of time do I need to make to become a great mother, to become a college graduate, to become a firefighter, to become whatever it is that the Holy Spirit wants you to become. You need to invite the Holy Spirit. You need to let him in on that conversation. Ask him to show you how to arrange your calendar. Uh, he's, Bill Heibel said that, that he realized that uh, the Holy Spirit wasn't in charge of his calendar. Instead, his calendar was in charge of him. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into our arrangement of our daily and weekly and monthly calendars. And then number four is indicate. We need to indicate our non-negotiables. For Heibel's, it was being home four nights a week. For us, Uh, when we sat down and we said, okay, we're going to start this. We're going to start calendaring, not just what we have to get done, but who we want to become. So what are those non-negotiables? Like I said, for for him, it was four four nights a week at home. For us, it was, we wanted our marriage to get closer. And we were in this season of life where these three little kids, date nights were kind of like, we'll do a date night 
if we get some extra money or if somebody offers to babysit for us. But we decided, nope, this is going to be a non-negotiable at our house. Every second and fourth week of the month, we're going to pick out a date or pick out a night and we're going to have a date that night. Whether that means we have to hire a babysitter or whether that means we don't have enough money and tonight we're just going to stay home and after the kids go to bed, we're going to order dinner in and rent a movie. We didn't care. We're just going to make it happen. Second and fourth week of the month, those are our non-negotiables. We will do a date night. The other thing that we wanted to become, we wanted to become the kind of parents that our kids felt like they could talk to us about anything, that they knew that we were available, that, we, that they knew that we were involved. We really, truly believed that if our kids could see that we loved them, that they could see the investment, that we were committed to them, that it would make, them, it, would make it easier for them to trust us as they got older. And so we began to plug in these non-negotiables, these one date night uh, a month with one of our kids, one-on-one time with our kids. And we still do this. Josh will take one child out every Wednesday morning and just allow the Holy Spirit to use him to speak into their life um, or just listen to their heart, pull them away from the crowd and just listen to their heart. And you know what that creates? It creates, even though Gus is nine now, when he's 13 and he's going through something at school or he's, he's dealing with a battle, a sin issue or whatever, he knows that that Wednesday is coming and he's going to have dad's heart and he can talk to dad. He can trust dad. That's who we, that's the kind of parents that we want to become. So we plug those non-negotiables in our calendar. We don't wait till things are convenient and everything lines up and, oh, I'm going to take Gus out because we know if that happens, it's going to be six months down the road. It's going to be, and then before you know it, we haven't done it in forever. So we plug in those non-negotiables. What are your non-negotiables? Indicate those things. Uh, uh, Let me give you some baselines. Okay. Church on Sunday. That's got to be a non-negotiable. You can't wake up and flip a coin and say, yeah, maybe I'll go to church, maybe I won't. Uh, I'm going to go if I feel like it. I'll go if the kids don't have a sporting event. It's a non-negotiable, amen? It was a non-negotiable for Jesus. He got up and he went to the temple as was his custom. If it was a non-negotiable for our leader, then why isn't it for us? If we have the vaguest intention of wanting to grow and be a a more dedicated Christ follower, then church has to be a non-negotiable. Another one is daily time with God. If you don't have an established daily time that you're setting aside to meet with God, to encounter his presence, to let him speak to you, to get filled with his word, to worship him, then you need to find a place on your calendar. If you're not doing it, then, then in your calendar, pick out a time slot. I'm going to give these 30 minutes a day to God. So those are some of your, your baselines. Okay. Uh, maybe you want to become a writer. Maybe you've got a book on your heart or a blog on your heart. Let me tell you, if it's just stays here in your heart, and you don't start to take some action, if you don't time, take some time to calendar what you can do to actually become the writer that you want to become, it'll just stay there. John Grisham, you guys know, probably have heard that name. He sold over three million books. He was an attorney and he didn't like his job. And so he decided to change 60 minutes a day on his calendar. And here's what he did. He got to work an hour earlier then he had to be there. And in that hour, he committed that he was going to write one page of of a novel, of a novel. And over consecutive days, he completed a novel. He's now one of the most well-known authors of our time because he changed 60 minutes a day. He started plugging in that non-negotiable on his calendar. Maybe you want a new job. You're you're just kind of waiting for a new job, a new career, a new opportunity to fall into your lap. 
What if you go back to school? What if you start plugging night school into your calendar every Tuesday and over the next 104 Tuesday nights, you get a degree, you get to move into a more fulfilling career. What is your non-negotiable? Maybe you want to get debt free this year. Maybe you plug in some financial peace university classes into your calendar and you make those non-negotiable. Maybe it's that you want to be a healthier version of yourself. You're tired of feeling sick and tired. What if you plugged in 30 minutes a day to exercise? You wrote it on your calendar, just like you would write in uh, an important meeting at work or just like you would write in uh, your anniversary. What if you wrote in on your calendar, exercise, and you did what your calendar said, your life could change forever. You wanna see your marriage restored. What if you plugged in 12 marriage counseling sessions this year and you went to those, you showed up, you want to know God deeper. We talked about scheduling quiet times. Maybe you want to be more plugged in here at New Song. What if you started to uh, schedule play dates with friends here? You meet somebody out in the lobby. You want to have more friends here. So you, you decide, okay, I want to be, have more friends. I want to become more plugged in at New Song. What do I got to do to get my calendar to reflect that? I'm going to invite somebody to lunch. I'm going to write it on my calendar. I'm going to show up. You got to start figuring out what your non-negotiables are. Indicate those and write them in. We got to invest in a calendar. We got to invite the Holy Spirit to lead us. We got to indicate our non-negotiables and we have to envision what God wants us to become. I have three sentences here that I want to close with. Write these down. Vision without action is just a dream. You can envision, you can come up with your list of sustainable goals, 17 goals. You can make all the lists you want. But if you don't put any action behind that list, it's just going to stay a dream. But then action without vision just passes the time. If we get in these little uh, hamster wheel mentalities where we're just doing 30 days of to-dos, all the things that we have to take care of, all we're thinking about is what we have to do and not who we want to become. We have no vision for our life. Then we're just passing the time. But vision with action can change the world. A God-given vision coupled with an intentional schedule can change the world. Let's pray. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying to you. Or if you're new here, what's God saying to you or what are you thinking right now? Maybe right now you're asking him, who do you want me to become this year? Do you want me to be a great mom? Do you want me to be a more invested grandparent? Who do you want me to become? Really take a moment and ask him and listen to what he's saying. I pray that right now, I believe that he wants to fill some of you with vision. You've been on cruise control and it's time to unclick that button and it's time to really seek the Lord and say, what do you want for me? Who do you want me to become in 2018? believe that he's unpacking some things for you, revealing some things to you right now. I pray that as you you spend time over these next couple weeks, as we close out this year, as you spend time seeking him with that blank piece of paper, asking him what investment of time it will take for you to do the things that he's called you to do, as you get real intentional about redeeming your time, that he's going to give you a plan. He's going to show you the steps and he's going to give you everything that you need 
to walk it out. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that we get to partner with you. We thank you that our destiny is to be like you. Lord, we're thankful for a big brother like you to look up to, to follow in your footsteps. Lord, help us to do good. Help us to fulfill all the plans and purposes that you have for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.